Welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, hosted at the moment by Ed M, um, myself, Gina, Mike, Daniel from the UK, and I believe Ed P will be with us quite shortly. Wow. Steve, with you that. scared me there. I thought you were having a Fetterman moment. What oh, do you no. by saying good night? <laughs> okay. Are um, you for fracking or not? <laughs> I've always supported fracking, except for when I absolutely didn't support fracking. I want to start off with an argument that I've been having with granite staters, and I want to get everybody's opinion. And obviously, I'm right, but I do want to hear everybody else's opinion. So the granite state, New Hampshire, is possibly the only state in the country where a governor only has a two-year tenure, which I think is quite different than what that means. So I wrote an op-ed for Liberty Block, which was also published in Granite Grok, which is the one website covering New Hampshire politics that's like number two, Liberty Block's number three. And it did generate some discussion, but I basically argued that at all costs, Sununu should be voted out of office. Even if there's a Democrat in office, it's only two years. The Republicans will still control the House, the Senate, and the Executive Council, which has a lot of power in New Hampshire. And if they don't vote Sununu out of office, that just goes to show that shutting down the state for 16 months, canceling the legislature for 16 months, literally arresting innocent people for doing things like saying amen is okay. And sooner or later, we got to draw a line in the sand and say, if you do that, we're going to take a hit, but we cannot reward you for what you did. And especially in light of the fact he's only there for two years. I've got a lot of pushback. But I'll ask the question, like, Gene, I know you're very active locally. Mike, I don't know if you're still as active locally. But at what point do we say it doesn't help that one politician is 51% good and the other one is 50% good and therefore he's better than the other guy and we're going to vote for him anyway? Well, I think part of it just goes on your principles. Like, I don't care if it is a moderate Democrat. I will not vote for them. I will not. Because... Just once they get elected into office, you know, if they're running for a moderate, whatever it may be, their political ideologies don't change whatsoever. There is still something that leads them towards that party. And I wouldn't even take the chance with it. Not even for two years, I would not take the chance. Okay, with so it. the answer that I hear. No, 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 no. There is nothing a Republican can do that would ever. Can I take the other side, Steve? Sure. I'll take the other side and I'll point I'll point to the. Georgia Senate elections from 2020, 2021. And I think we got our best case scenario when the Democrats won both of those seats and made it a 50-50 Senate with Kamala breaking ties. And here's why. There are so many Mitt Romneys and Lindsey Grahams and other fraudsters in the, in the Senate that it wouldn't have mattered if the Republicans had had 51 votes or 52 votes. The only difference we'd have, we, we would have the exact same policies we have today, except Republicans would be blamed for them. Right now, the Democrats get blamed for everything. They're in control of everything. And I, I don't see how controlling the Senate would have done us any good. I think putting the Democrats in charge and giving them full accountability for what's gone on has worked tremendously to, to our benefit. And we're going to see that two weeks from today when the election results for the midterms come in. You know, and it, it's funny that he's coming up against the Biden administration. So I don't remember 
all of it real well, but New Hampshire's just had a huge cut to their housing or low income housing assistance. Is that correct, Stephen? Something just happened today that I saw a story they had $6 so million federal, or something. Yeah. So the federal government pulled their funding and they were one of like 28 states to lose a crap load of money um, for families that are under 80% poverty level or something like that. So um, yeah, New Hampshire is going to be in trouble this fall. hundred percent. Imagine what the, imagine what the message to the electorate will be if Baldock wins the Senate race, but Sununu mm -hmm. loses the, the governor's race. Right. I think that would be one heck of a good message for the Republican party of New Hampshire to send to the electorate or for the electorate yeah. to send to the Republican party. So I, ha I happen to believe if a governor's there for four years, he can do an amazing amount of damage to the populace and it's almost never worth that risk. So I feel that way in Texas, even though I'm not a big Abbott fan. But in a two-year state where you have the other branches and they have the extra check of the executive council, I just think there's got to be a place at which we say McConnell may be better than the other guy, but we got to get rid of him. McCarthy may be better than the other guy. We got to get rid of him. Otherwise, they know that they're in office forever because they're better than the other guy. And they are always better than the other guy. But that's how we get Lindsey Graham. I'm not sure they are better than the other guy. That's the point, because they get they stand in the way of the Republican Party, either opposing the Democrats or of the Republican Party putting someone in office who will oppose the Democrats. If you've got a guy who who's a fake Republican in office, he's going to vote like a Democrat on all the key issues. But in order to get him out, you're the, he's going to have to lose to a Democrat and then you'll have to beat the Democrat later. So why not just put the Democrat in now and then look to beat him in the next election? Right. Now, there is a slight difference, obviously, between Congress and the governor. Um, and we're kind of conflating the two, I think. Um, it's funny because Bulldog's first move after being nominated in the primary or winning the primary was to pull a Fetterman and say that the election in 2020 wasn't stolen, even though he had said it was stolen until then. So he hasn't yet changed his last name to Fetterman, but I thought that was very, very disappointing that that was his first move. Well, that's been, a lot of them are doing that. Tudor Dixon has done the same thing. She's removed herself from her statements saying that the election was stolen. And now it's just, there were discrepancies. There were, you know, certain things that maybe didn't fit normal protocol. So she's separating herself too, which I think she's a great candidate, but yeah, she needed to stick with where she was at. Right now, obviously those kind of candidates are a thousand times better than the Democrats. Mm -hmm. But I think, I mean, would everybody agree that there are certain things that we would have to get rid of Republicans for at all costs or not even? It depends on, on the situation. I think there have been times in the past where they deserve to be punished. <laughs> okay. I mean, by the way, for those of us who are anti-war, which I'm probably not as anti-war as most libertarians, as funny as that sounds, but Lindsey Graham, how many wars does he have to drag us into before we take him down, even if we lose to a Democrat? It's tough. I mean, this is always the dilemma, right? Because we know... If we want the Republicans to be in charge, that they're, you're going to have to have some of these moderates win elections. And, and that's what usually swings the balance of power one way or the other. But Ed's, Ed's totally right. Mitt Romney does not swing the balance of power. <clears throat> well, I mean, it, it depends. I mean, we don't know what, what we're going to be looking at after Election Day. You know, I mean, right, but I'm saying we do know people like Romney. So if Romney would be up for reelection, 
would we vote for a Democrat to get rid of him? Or would we say, well, he's better than the Democrat? I'd say better than the Democrat. That's what I would go. What'd you say? I'd say I would say he's better than the Democrat. That's what I would say. And I would, again, go hold my nose while I go vote for him. I would never vote for a Democrat. What distinguishes him from a Democrat? There are still a lot of conservative values he holds. Um, and, you know, the people of Utah love him. I, I don't understand it. Um, and I, I don't understand. Huh? He's living off the capital of his own name. He is. Well, 100%. He's a Mormon, too. There's a large Mormon population there. See, I, would never vote for, I would never vote for a Democrat. But in that hypothetical, I would just not vote. You're right, right in. Right in. Or a write in. But th- there's a point beyond which there's no lesser of two evils. They're both evil, and I'm not voting for them. Hey, I wasn't crazy about Trump the first time around, and I abstained. But I'm in New Jersey, and it didn't matter. I I wasn't in Pennsylvania. I wasn't in a swing state, so I I didn't have that that pressure, so to speak. Isn't this this precisely why, you know, in the U.S. and the U.K. and and in a lot of uh, Western countries, the the people not voting is the the fastest-growing thing of anything? Um, you know, because people well, get tired of the lesser of two evils argument, don't they? Well, there's that. I mean, there's a lot of people in this country that don't care about politics. They're into Netflix and Hulu and uh, being on social media and they don't mm-hmm. they don't care. I mean, those people frost me more than people. Yeah, by the way, I'm writing a book. I'm writing a book about this. It's going to be called The Brave New World. The thing about that, Mike, though, is that (laughs) sooner or later, and it's more likely sooner today, the left politicizes everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can pretend to be, you know, I have this argument with my son all the time. Mm. He doesn't want to be involved in politics. He thinks Mm -hmm. that I go overboard on it. And I show him things that are going on. And I say, if you don't learn what's going on, they're just going to run you over. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a, an old saying, and uh, I think it's something along uh, the lines of you might not take an interest in politics, but politics takes an interest in you. Exactly. I mean, exactly. one of the arguments I have, I mean, I made it, I think I put it as the tagline for Liberty Block. If you don't work against the government, you'll find yourself working for the government. If you just look at the wealthy ones like me and hopefully the rest of you, the amount of money we've lost since Biden came into office in our 401ks mm-hmm. is a half a year to a year's work. So if I would have put that six months into defeating Biden, I wouldn't have lost a nickel. And I think that's what people mean. If they keep raising your taxes, they're going to take your time anyway. You might right. as well use that time and energy to fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is an argument that says, uh, you know, we, we tend to get a better government with, uh, you know, um, divided government. You know, where either the House or the Senate or the presidency is controlled by another um, a different party. And, and it's not that they're not all corrupt and evil because they are. It's that um, they're all spend all their time jockeying for position against each other rather than sort of being unified in um, in one you know stupid or evil direction. And in that sense, I think, um, I, I don't think things are going to terribly improve um, if the Republicans take Congress, at, because I think that the 
MMT based, you know, infinite spending ideology has has basically taken over the the country. Um, so I, I think I th the one problem is that you know it could very well get worse um, economically, and everything points to it getting worse. And then the the blame will then be uh, divided between Congress, the Republican Congress, and the and the Democratic uh, presidency. I, I do think the pre president has a lot more to blame for um, the terrible economic. Uh, policies than Congress does, but um, they, you know, from the spending perspective, they're the ones who spend the money. Ed, let me pose the same question that I posed before you came on. Had the had the Republicans won the Georgia Senate races on January fifth, two thousand twenty-one, what policy, if any, would be different? Because from my perspective, I think you would have found a Mitt Romney or a Susan Collins or a Lisa Murkowski or whoever to cross the line, cross the aisle they would have the exact same legislation, the exact same policies, and the only difference would be Republicans would share in the blame. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe. I mean, you're t look, what's the one big piece of legislation they, they passed in the last two years? The Inflation Reduction the Act? The, the so-called Inflation Reduction Act. They passed think, that infrastructure bill? Okay, there probably would have been enormous grassroots pressure from the right did not go along with that. Yeah, but so. the, no, but here's the problem. So you're talking, you're giving me my ammunition. So the pressure from the right would be, Murkowski, if you vote for this, we're going to vote you out of office. And guess what? A week before the election, everybody's going to say, but she's still better than the Democrat and she's going to win anyway. And that's why it doesn't matter what a Republican does against us. I hear you. It's, but it's, not, never it's not always black. It's not always black and white. I mean, there's um, nothing Murkowski can do that will get somebody to vote for a Democrat in Alaska, period. That's our, that's what the discussion we're having. I hear you, but there have, been the times, there have been times where the Republican Party has stood together, and it has been because of a lot of pressure on the right, whether it's been amnesty for illegals or Obamacare, where they didn't get a vote from, from Republicans. What so determines that, I believe, is leadership. No, I think there was a lot of pressure. Come on, Obamacare? And there were rallies every other week on the Hill to try to stop it. Uh, okay. Do you were, think okay. there were town halls all the time and the Tea Party was at, at its height? That that didn't have an effect. That not one Republican went on the other side. On okay. That, on that I'm, I'm making this discussion longer and I made a rule that we can't have such long discussions. But I just want to ask you, had McCain lived on, do you think anybody would have beaten him in a primary when the full force of the entire National Republican Party would have backed him and destroyed anybody else? And do you think every Republican would not have voted for him in a general? Because he's still better than the other guy. No, I think he would have won. I'm with you. Okay. So, so that's my point. And that's why it doesn't matter what a Republican does. We will still vote for them. No, 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 no. And I'm going to go against that just real quick. And I'm going to go to, oh gosh, what is her face? J6 committee. I just blanked out on her name. Kevin Costner, lover. Goodness gracious. What's Liz her name? You guys Liz Cheney. Ugh. Okay. So she's another one. Her family is well known all throughout the state. And you know what? The Republicans pushed back against her. Even she even had Kevin Costner, for God's sake. He had a cute little t-shirt. And the Republicans pushed back against okay, her. Okay. I will give you that Wyoming went that way. Can you name me one other state that would? I'd have to think about it. And Wyoming is a very, very different state because it's overwhelmingly right-wing and Republican. So yeah, we beat Cheney. 
but Murkowski might lose this might lose this time, but you know, to the independent, not well, to the well, actually she's running as the independent, well, right? I mean, she she lost she lost the Republican primary um, at that time. She lost it, right? Right. right. So she's she running as the independent. You see that the Republican Party is supporting the people against her. I think I put up in the show notes that Alaska Republican Party is voting to censure, I think, McConnell again for supporting the wrong guy. The point is. 99% of the time, I'll go away from 100, we will say, but they're still better than the alternative. And at some point, you know, they know that they're not stupid. But that that breaks eventually, that that does break, because it's almost like you're having a debate here that's maybe 10 or 20 years behind the UK debate on the same similar issues, which is essentially how much of a purist do you be? Um, and do you accept the lesser of two evils? And for, you know, the last 20, 30 years, uh, the, the Conservative Party has been in power. Uh, the last 12 years it was in power, but it's been a contender or in power with a lot of people who are conservatives or more conservative than the party itself, um, kind of holding their noses and voting for it. And, and now in, with the recent chaos, they've gone down to 14% of the vote because they've hit that tipping point where they've done so many socialist policies and they've done so many uh, things that go against natural conservative instincts and they've been so shambolic and chaotic that their their core votes has finally had enough i think and, yeah the united kingdom is a lot different in in their voters though i think the united states is more tribal in its voting whereas i think in the united kingdom their voters are are much more willing to to you know vote for either party, depending on how awful. That's no, no, I wouldn't agree with that because we, we have whole areas, whole swathes of the north, for example. Uh, you know, it was called the Red Wall and Boris Johnson broke it, but it was a, a huge event that breaking because these are areas that for 50 to 100 years had always voted the same way and it's generational. And, you know, there's, there's people who said, well, you know, my parents would never forgive me if I voted Tory. Um, so th th there is that tribal loyalty there. Um, you know, we've got a lot of people who are apathetic and don't care at all either way. But um, the, the, there's tribal there's tribal loyalty for the Tories as well. Uh, and what I'm seeing now is, is people who have, have said that they have never, ever voted Labour in their life and they detest Labour are still abandoning the Conservative Party at the moment because that we've had, you know, the lockdown policies, we've had uh, um, rapid changes of leader, we've had stitching up the leadership contest so that they don't have to actually face a vote on it or that the membership doesn't get, even get a vote, as we've had with Rishi Sunak just now. Um, and there's people who have been very, very active Tories who are now saying, I won't campaign for them, I won't vote for them, I won't support them, and their, their, um, their vote share is collapsing. Um, and that's taken a very long time to, to come because 20 years ago, uh, columnists like uh, Peter Hitchens were saying, we need the Conservative Party, which isn't really Conservative, to die so that a real Conservative Party can come along. Uh, and it might have an opportunity to happen now. Why doesn't Nigel Farage start it? I mean, he had a new party. Why doesn't he come back and, and you know, fix the problem? He knows what the problem is. 
He's got a following. What's his problem? Well, he's he says he's made a statement saying that that he can't do it alone because basically, you know, he pointed out that they got um, you know, uh, four million votes in one general election or, or more than that, and um, uh, didn't get elected a single MP because of the first pass of post system. Um, you know, that was under UKIP, but UKIP is it, is most uh, potent. Um, the only reason that, that UKIP managed to change the policy was because um, they could fight under a different voting system. You know, they, they fought European elections under the European system, which wasn't first past the post and which allows a, a, a smaller party to build quickly. Uh, and that let them put on enough pressure to, to change the Tories. But now that we've reached that tipping point where even the first pass of post system can't save uh, the Tories because their support is just evaporating. Um, but Canada's Conservative Party, sorry, Canada's Conservative Party kind of was reborn, um, right? And, and now, again, I happen to like Stephen Harper. I don't exactly know why uh, the Canadians turned against him and elected Justin Trudeau, but um, there used to be the Progressive Conservative Party and that party completely collapsed like the Tories are doing and uh, a new conservative party replaced them now. And, and they had like 10 years of solid, decent government in Canada before, mm. you know, that the conservative party uh, failed. I, you know, I, again, I, I don't exactly know why, but uh, and now we're getting 10 years of, uh, of just the worst person I can imagine governing Canada. And so I, I think that, that, you know, these parties are always going to fail. But I, I do think with the complete collapse of the Tories, there is an opportunity here if someone with a national following like Nigel Farage could could in some way, you know, pick up three or four key actually conservative uh, Tory MPs to join him in the Reform Party or whatever, Um I like Dan Hannon. He was an old uh, MEP. I think he's a lord now, unfortunately. But yeah, there must be lords. there must be um, well there must be four or five decent people. But the, it's funny you should say that because uh, um, Farage's statement was that a lot of people are asking me to run and asking me to form a new party, and he goes, "But I can't do it all, all alone." Uh, and the example he gave was the SDP, which broke off from the Labour Party in the 1970s. And they had um, four very senior figures, you know, the sort of cabinet level figures who broke from the Labour Party at that point. Um, and uh, he's, I think he was basically appealing for members of the right of the Conservative Party to break away with him. Um, obviously, nobody's responded yet, but... Um, we'll see how the Rishi government goes. And if it carries on being as disastrous as it is at the moment, then that might happen. But I think Farage is, is, is hoping and waiting for something like that. Am I correct that America is far less likely to ever have a separate party than pretty much any other country? I don't think that's true. Um, I, I think that when a party collapses in the United States, like the Whig Party did. Um, that's one second. Isn't that like a gazillion years ago? It is certainly true that the two current parties have made it very difficult for a third party to compete. 
um, you know, obviously by law and also obviously corruptly. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not Im- that it's not it's not impossible. possible. I said it's the least likely of the other democracies, and partly because we are a two-party system, unlike Britain. And I mean, Israel is very extreme on the other side, where parties form. I mean, literally every other day there's another party, and the last part and Italy, which is in the right, news, like Italy, um, but I don't speak Italian. And um, you know, a guy was prime minister who had six people in his party. But I think those systems, it's much easier to start a party than it would be in America. I think we'd be the last. I think in America, you know, you got to remember the first part of our conversation today. We've got the Republican Party that is committed to people that spit in the face of their main voters. At some point, that is going to collapse. It hasn't collapsed yet, but that can't go on forever. I mean, either they're going to get swallowed up by the Democrats or they're going to get swallowed up by a third party overtaking them. But third parties ha- in the United States have to be, in some sense, regional. There has to be some region of the country where um, where the Republicans are so awful that a group of Republicans were split off and you know create the conservative party and then you know get a congressman or a senator or something. Well, getting in power. back to Liz Cheney. The only way people will split off the Republican Party is towards the left. I don't see anybody doing it towards the right. So um, I want can I move to New York since I took a no. to England? <laughs> so I thought was, you, you already lived there, didn't you? Ah, good point. There was this um, phenomenal case that some people are incredibly celebrating. Ed Maslish is our legal correspondent. Hope you're following it. It's interesting um, if you look at the press. So I Googled, will New York comply with court ruling about vaccines? First story, Washington Post, judge tells New York City to rehire workers. Second story, same Washington Post, New York judge reinstates workers. And the other story from a New York TV station, New York City appeals judges ruling that could reinstate fired unvaccinated workers. So I have three different stories in the press with three different takes on even what happened. Now, as far as I understand, a judge can't reinstate anybody. He can only order to reinstate. And Ed, if you're following the story, my gut feeling from what I read yesterday, I can't find anything else more updated, is New York couldn't give a hoot what the judge said. I don't think they give a hoot. And that goes back to what I said last week and the previous weeks. Democrats understand the limits of judicial power. They understand the limits of federal power. And they understand the way the Constitution sets up each branch each different branch of government to be a check on the others and to push back when they're being, when they think the other branches are being uh, overreaching. And now I don't think that the the court is overreaching at all. Uh, Well, actually I I take that back. Ordering, ordering New York to reinstate them, I think is overreaching. I think the judge should just order them to pay damages that the judge could do, but forcing an employer to take on employees that it doesn't want whether it's the government or not, doesn't seem like a, a reasonable thing for a judge to do. Um, but Mayor Adams has not said, if Mayor Adams was, Mayor Adams and Kathy Hochul and Governor Hochul should just say, we give up, but they won't. They're going to keep fighting and they're going to resist and they're going to resist in any way they can. And, you know, I, as much as I disagree with their legal position, I admire the their willingness to fight for their wrong position 
So I, I should have figured you were going to say that because I hear you say it every week and it is interesting. And is there any instances of Republicans saying to a quote, we don't care, or it's because I'll go back to what I always harp on. The media would never let that happen. I don't think the media would have to get involved at all. The Republicans surrender preemptively to, to um, judicial supremacy. Uh, Gina, you know, you, you missed our meeting last Friday morning, but I, I actually confronted our, our local member of the House uh, who attends our Friday morning breakfast. Well, I was there for a little bit. I left my glasses. Yeah, Hugh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you hear me ask him about yes, that? Yes, 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 and, I did. You know, and he just, he's just not willing to fight. I asked, I said point blank, New York, New York is willing to fight, you know, on guns and on, you know, when they get a court ruling they don't like, they fight. Why can't you fight? Because, you know, here in North Carolina, we're, we're one or two seats short of super majorities in, right. in houses. And, and even with a, with a gigantic majority that barely misses being a supermajority, our Republican leaders can't do anything. They can't, and they're afraid to do anything, uh, you know, because the they Supreme, straddle court, defense. They the straddle Supreme defense. court might overturn what they do. And, mm-hmm. you know, so they just, they, they don't, the media doesn't have to get at them. They, they surrender preemptively. But isn't, to go back <laughs> to the theme of the beginning of the show, it's because they know that you'll still vote for them the next time around because they're better than the other guy. Well, and in this case, there's nobody even that challenged this representative. <laughs> so, you know, they're just coasting right on in. So don't forget, I mean, it, 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 the other part of it is the federal government is, is so big and does so many things that it's not supposed to do. These politicians are not local. They're, they're not so that we can reach out and touch them and hold them accountable. There, there's a big gap. And that it's to their advantage to remain in power, to enrich themselves and not care about their own constituents. So again, it's part and parcel of- But they do care about government. being reelected and had they not known they'd always be reelected, they would care. Politicians, I wrote this in my article, politicians have one care in the entire world and that is to be reelected. And that does scare them. But they know they've come back to you and say, but I'm better than the other guy and you will lockstep vote for them. Again, oh, remember we talk the, about uh, this a lot. Then you're going back to primaries. You got to have a candidate in the primary. The, and the reason you don't have a candidate up, in the primaries and, is the machine and then, is controlled by the establishment. And then you have to worry that when you do get a Murkowski out, they run as an independent and then they split all the votes up. I mean, this is just the way it goes. I, I don't think that it's that they that they think I don't think they have the cynicism that you're ascribing to them, Stephen, in the sense that. I don't think they sit there and think, well, I can go against them. That you know, they'll still vote for me. I think that they just disagree with us, and they they'll lie to us to get elected. But I think that they just agree with the things that are going on. That's the issue because they. You look at what's going on in the country right now. If they agreed with us, they shouldn't need much courage to stand up and fight. If they don't, no, I don't think they, they don't agree with us at all. I don't think they have any principles at all. I'm saying their only principle is will they be at risk of losing an election and they're not stupid and they know they're not. That's all I'm saying. Maybe there's there's other things they fear more than um, losing a political post. So it's, 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 you know, um, if, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene's not going to be invited to the right parties, is she? <laughs> you know, there's, there's the whole social capital uh, uh, for to me, it seems like a lot of rhinos are 
socially engaged with Democrats far more than they are with the people who elect them. And there's, there's a cost to them that matters more socially to, to doing the things that a Republican voter would want them to do. And there's a tremendous amount of power and in incumbency, starting just with name recognition, you know, just like we were talking about with Romney. But a lot of these people that they've been in there three, four terms in, as a senator, a generation. You know what, my, it's hard to get these people out. I was just talking, you know, I just mentioned my local member of the North Carolina House of Representatives. He's not getting paid squat. It's not about money. And it's not even about power. I don't think that he has that much power over our lives. I mean, he's what, 75 years old, Gina? I mean, I, I don't know how old he, I mean. He's, he's close. I think he's 78. Right. 77, I mean, it's 78. not about money. It's not about power. It's, I mean, I just think that he agrees with what's going on. He just Maybe. doesn't want to be responsible for it. Maybe he has no guts. But that's, and that's why I said they, they ride the fence and they, they use their lawyer speak and they double talk you and play both sides real easy. And yeah, they, they never do. I mean, all it would take is, you know, during any of these lockdowns or anything that we had or the school board issues, you know, that we have, all it would have taken was for him to stand up, be vocal, and he would have had troops rallying behind him like flipping crazy, like exactly, crazy. Which is, which is why I also don't think it's about wanting to be reelected because right. if they want to be reelected, especially in more conservative places like where we are, these guys would stand up and fight. They know that there are people just dying to get behind them the way the way people almost religiously follow Trump, right? Trump said things that nobody else is willing to say. And he's got an almost religious following. You know, he said, you know, I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue. I wouldn't put it that way, but he does have a, it's an almost hypnotic religious fervor in, in the people that support him. And they don't, they will support him through thick and thin and they don't care I mean, they will file, they will fight for him. And, you know, if, if guys like Hugh were willing to, you know, if they were just focused on wanting to be reelected, they would, they would look at what Trump did and say, I can have that too. So are they I, afraid, are they afraid of the is. front pages of newspapers? What? Are they afraid of the front pages of newspapers? To me, I think uh, they just agree with what's going on. I mean, the other side of it, the coin is uh, maybe they're afraid of being swatted. Yeah, which is a big deal. And I was about to bring that up again, too. At a certain point, are they going to get her? I, I would like to think that by now, the police in, in her area understands what's going on anytime that call comes in. I mean, she sort of plays it down. Then the, why would they go out at all? Oh, well, they go out in case it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, calling wolf, right? Um, you know, they they swat someone three or four times in a row, fake, and then the police never decide not to go, and then the fifth time they go out and actually do something bad to the to the people. And but even you know, uh, it's still risky. Anytime you have a SWAT team going out, a mistake can happen. So even with the best of intentions, yeah, and there may be cops that don't adore her in her state. I, I actually talked to my. Um, former Republican representative when he voted for a tax increase, actually actually talked to him, which is shocking. And um, and he, he was a, you know, he was a relatively conservative guy, but, you know, one of these moderates. And it's like, you know, we, 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 we needed the money. What can I do? We needed the money. And of course, he 
didn't need the money, right? I could probably cut the state budget 25% tomorrow and, and except for the people who, you know, are actually benefiting from that 25%, uh, no one would know that. So they didn't actually need the money. I guess they just get into this, this mode where, you know, we're all friends, we're all trying to get the budget done and, you know, there's just this gap and we just got to like what's going on, Ed. I mean, that's what I keep saying. I, I think that they're not opposed to it. I don't care how conservative he says he is. I don't care how conservative he tells his, his voters he is. He's not. He's fi totally fine with not just the spending, but all the transgender stuff, the indoctrination of children, the mutilation of children. They're fine with it. I mean, these are low hanging fruit issues that I mean, it's not like abortion a couple of years ago. That was a 50 50 issue. There are issues right. that are just like 80 or 90 percent people would support them. And if these guys were interested in re-election, man, we could have had a hundred seat win two weeks from now. So the other the other thing is, um, you know, just to bring this up, because it happens to be, you know, it happens to be close to, to my heart with the whole um, with the whole pharma thing is I, I think there is a lot of corruption, a lot of and it's not, you know, again, it's not just campaign contributions i think there's a lot of corruption and i think that there's um you know much more than ten thousand dollar you know campaign contributions at stake i think there's there's a lot of underground money going to these people um even the state senators uh and state representatives from various both interest groups, but, you know, also a uh, big business. And I, I think that, uh, I think that they listen to them. They're, in, in fact, they're the actual constituents, right? And as long as they can, as long as they can keep people out of uh, the know, um, it's one of the reasons why they attempted, you know, why they banned Matt Walsh from the, um, you know, from speaking at the Loudoun County School District until he actually rented an apartment in Loudoun County so he could speak. It's because, uh, you know, the teachers unions and the various um, interest groups, the, the uh, you know, the trans people and, and whatnot, they had a grip on them. Uh, and whether you, that you grip was ideological or financial. That's absolutely right. And I, I think the, um, the thing is, you've just got to compare their their, their wealth to their salaries and you know you see that maybe five percent of what they had comes from the post itself that's the bit that the voters can take away from them five percent of their life the 95 percent is coming from the deals that come on the back of that political post you know that you've engineered with other people and with interest groups and with promises of what you'll get after the political career as well that's their real life and that's where most of the money is and that's where their electorate is and what they care about is you know their social life is there as well you know if you say to one of them you're not going to sit on this board after your political career is finished that's a lot more painful to them to than saying you're not going to uh, be loved by your core voters amen i just want to inject in here because this is along the same lines excuse me, the story from two days ago, Kevin McCarthy, who's probably going to be the uh, Speaker of the House, he said, we are not going to impeach 
Biden or any administration officials and people don't want with the quote, I think the country doesn't like impeachment used for political purposes at all. And once again, as Ed would say, Republicans surrendering before there's even a fight. And it doesn't matter because he's always wins. And even if you get 50 people say they're going to vote against him for Speaker of the House, it's not going to matter. I think that I think that's not matter. necessarily true because if they if the Republicans win uh, such a clear majority, they could uh, have a discharge petition to. Uh, I mean, there are ways to get around Kevin McCarthy. Um, How do you get around him? Well, a I, discharge I think, petition. Well, even before discharge, I think that if they win a big enough mandate on uh, on November eighth, I think that you know whether it's Marjorie Taylor Greene or Matt Gates or so, somebody is going to speak up and say. Kevin McCarthy's not the guy to lead this caucus. I mean, they're not going to, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene's not going to say that she should be Speaker of the House, but maybe they'll put Jim Jordan up. Maybe they'll put Louis Gohmert up. Maybe they'll put, uh, I don't know, those are the two that are off the top hey, of my head. Maybe bring Paul Ryan back. He was good. Yeah. Fabulous. <laughs> I think you might see a, a floor fight for, for control of the, of the speakership. Oh, I think you might see a floor a floor fight, but I don't see it ending up very well. And my recollection is Paul Ryan was quite good before he became Speaker of the House. Yeah. He was another one that just told you what you wanted to hear, but he had no record of being that good. Yeah, I think that, I think that the, again, we are not their constituent. I think that is, by the way, if anything comes out of this show today, I think that that really sums everything up. Just like you know, we are Google's product. We are not the constituents. You're right. It's the multinationals, et cetera, not to sound conspiratorial. Gina, go ahead. So I've got a question for Daniel. So what is it that has now caused the NIH to shift on all this transgender garbage as far as the hormone treatments, the surgeries? What is it that has allowed them to completely go against what the rest of the world or rest of the world that's got these leftist ideologies you know, what What finally happened that they said, this is wrong, this isn't right, and we're going to push back no matter what? Um, to be honest, I don't know, because I would have expected um, exactly the same as you see everywhere else, to be honest, and all the indicators um, of, you know, how they're trying to shape public opinion on these those issues um, would suggest that, that we would go along with the rest of the Western world in kind of embracing uh, transgenderism as much as possible. You know, there's the famous sort of public uh, case of uh, J.K. Rowling and the amount of uh, criticism she's received. And our authorities uh, of any kind uh, are terrified of going against the transgender lobby, really. So, it, you know, it is a surprise to me because, um, the you know, the the... the most likely Prime Minister after Keir, uh, after um, Rishi Sunak is now Keir Starmer of the Labour Party, and he refuses to say what a woman is um, because you know that's how powerful the the trans movement is in the UK, uh, or at did least you see the that, class. Did you see the video of a Biden being interviewed by this uh, uh, trans thing? Um, he uh, he. Uh, well, it's it's a man pretending to be a woman. He, no, he's pretending YouTube, to be so a young girl, Ed, a young girl. Yes, a young girl. A he's woman. a man pretending to be a young girl. Now, I have seen 
when I lived in San Francisco, I I have seen um, gay guys who who act like that um, in the street, um, that that act like they're little girls. But this this guy is actually you know pretending to be a little girl and doing and. and and you can't tell whether he's actually a parrot parodying it or whether he's actually truthful. It's not entirely clear, but anyway, he, um, it, you know, dressed in a dress and whatnot. He, he interviewed Biden the other day and, and Biden came out full throated to, um, you know, uh, I, I saw the comments from Biden. Yeah. But I didn't castrate and, and mutilate young children if um, yeah. they're confused. So, it, I mean, it's it's just nuts. It's just nuts. I mean, if if Biden had actually, you know, if if anyone can listen to more than three words of Biden without falling asleep, uh, that will be the perfect Dude, Biden campaign fell commercial. Asleep during yeah, his own he, interview, come on. The question is, yeah. can Biden say three words without falling asleep? Yeah, I mean, that would be the perfect Republican. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. The question is, can he count three words? Yeah. They only have two words made in America. So, right. Right. So it's, it's another indicator of, of how little the electorate means to these all of these people, isn't it? Because, yeah. um, you know, if you look at statistically, the number of people who are trans is tiny. But the power of that lobby and the power of that movement now is enormous. Well, that's um, where I, Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, even that, I can't even think of what his name is. He's the guy that sat down and talked with biden but he's got like 8.2 million followers of people watching him doing his 100 days of transitioning into a little girl like what the heck is wrong with everybody that he actually has 8.2 million people watching him talk about how his man bulge should become acceptable and you know that oh he cried because he was emotional and look now i'm a girl ladies did i do okay like it is so sick and perverted you know i mean his if name's Dylan be, Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney, uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. You know, if he can get 8.2 million follower, followers, I mean, oh, my gosh. Well, let's in the, in the UK, sorry, uh, sorry, Stephen. In the UK, we've just had um, a Channel 4 um, program air, and a, a, a trans uh, person was invited on uh, to do a musical piece. It was like an entertainment show. And um, they stripped off completely and then played the piano with their, their penis, kind of channeling Zelinsky. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> and, but, but this is like, uh, you know, this is what we're all supposed to accept as normal now, isn't it? And, Powell, did that make you blush? I just couldn't. Believe, I can't believe. I can't believe. Yeah, I've refused, to, I've refused to look at that video. <laughs> just can't believe it. No. For, the, for those uh, who believe in biblical stories, Sodom and Gomorrah just kind of comes to mind, does it not? Oh, we're we're way past that. Way past that. Way, yeah, way, yeah. way, way. You would think. Sodom I mean, and Gomorrah are saying those people are pretty sick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, what are the chances of us having a sit down with Biden? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm not prepared to play the pia uh, piano with my penis, unfortunately. Oh, Lord. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably not able to do it, which is really terrible. I wish I could. Yeah. All right, okay. all right. We're, we're veering off our family. Yes, yeah, so you guys are off course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much. All right. But, it, it, you know, but this is like, uh, you know, 
that will be the next stage of family entertainment, won't it? The way we're going, and and it's it's kind of, you know, where does the barrier get put up eventually? Because it doesn't seem to be anywhere. When when society is okay with the mutilation of children uh, for for this stuff, it will accept anything. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. You know, because you got to look oh. at all these parents that are bringing their kids and exposing intentionally exposing their kids to this stuff you know so even though they may not be mutilating their kids physically like what they're doing to those poor kids minds oh my gosh it's have any of you heard of eddie izzard Anyone? yeah yeah british comedian yeah. yeah yeah british comedian eddie izzard who is a, a transvestite and uh, um you know for years he he dressed as a woman quite frequently um but now it seems to be a permanent thing, and I don't know if he's had any surgery or not. But the the, the kind of thing that's shown how bad it's got is that um, pretty much every week, uh, the Daily Mail, uh, which was supposedly a right-wing paper, has pictures of, of Eddie Izzard, who's one of the very unconvincing ones, because it's, you know, a kind of unattractive man trying to be a, a woman. Um, and... Uh, they're, they're, they have a picture of him virtually every week with some headline saying about how stunning he looked and, and she looks, you know, and how beautiful she is. Um, and kind of like how, how Sports Illustrated gave uh, Bruce Jenner Woman of the Year, that yeah. type of thing. But Bruce yeah. Jenner is actually slightly more convincing. Um, but, you know, that's how bad Eddie Izzard is. Uh, but the thing is, it's like, they must know that nobody believes that. Nobody out there, not even other trans, will look at a picture of Eddie Izzard in a dress and say, my God, that Eddie Izzard's beautiful. You know, nobody would do it. Oh, excuse me, Daniel. Daniel. You may have him. We have Rachel Levine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, you asked, you asked, you know, where does this go? Where, you know, what's the end game? I mean, I, I don't want to root. I'm not rooting for this historical analogy, but one of the many reasons for the rise of the Nazis was, was a revulsion against some of the perversions of Weimar culture. Weimar, Weimar culture decadence, in the yeah. late 20s, early 30s was, I don't want to say equally awful as what we have today, but there were certainly parallels. And one of the planks of the Nazi party was restoring normalcy, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that there word. was some some wag on Twitter, I think a journalist said, you know, uh, this this election is is between fascism and democracy. Who are you going to vote for? And he gave the poll, you know, fascism and democracy. And I think two thirds of the people voted for fascism. Um, <laughs> now, of course, that's just trolling, obviously. But um, there is a point to this. It's like, you know, people have if they weren't being continually gaslit by the um, by the media, I think uh, this whole trans and transing the kids thing would have been over by now. Um, and well, the media ironic. just has to go further and further and further um, to lie about it uh, to keep you know to keep it sort of within bounds. I, I think the train has uh, has hit a bump in the tracks. Here's the uh, deal, Ed P the only salvation may come from the Muslims. Because I know. They, yeah, that, that was very, very strongly. They turned yeah. up in Dearborn. That was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yay, Michigan. And, 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 but the solution the will be enemy of my an enemy exception for the Muslim. 
the the solution will obviously be an exception for the Muslims. So that that's not, I mean, good for them, but that's not going to help. Okay, so I'm going to bring up a story that I've been meaning to bring up for weeks, and, and it's kind of related to this. So I assume most of you are familiar with Yeshiva University. Yes, no, maybe so. Yeshiva University, Yeshiva is a rabbinical school. It's been around for well over 100 years. It's a pretty, pretty... It's in New York, right? It's in New York, in Washington Heights, a very, very respectable university. It has a great medical school. I mean, it's, it's very high standards. It's a dual curriculum in Jewish and secular subjects. It's held in high esteem everywhere. As a matter of fact, they had a super long streak in their basketball program this year, which is unprecedented because Jews and sports... Uh, anyway, <laughs> there is a... Especially basketball, right? <laughs> the university has kind of two parts. It's a regular undergrad college. It has regular graduate schools, and then it has a rabbinical school. And they recently lost a major court case because the Pride Alliance was fighting Yeshiva University to allow an LGBT club. And Yeshiva oh, University is saying, we are founded as Orthodox Jews, and this goes against everything we believe in, and we cannot do this. And they lost the case, and it's made a tremendous, tremendous stink. Um, now, Yeshiva University came out the other day with an email that even I got saying, we're going to start our own LGBTQ, MNLOP, whatever, club um, to somehow pacify this, although the Pride Alliance has already said, no, we're not going to accept that. And the point is, they're forcing this down even on an institution that was set up as an Orthodox Jewish university. And last I looked, not the only university in the United States, but they could come a tiny minority into the one or two places in the whole country that opposes it, and they know that going in, and still take it down. So they are going to start, because uh, I had heard that um, they were still fighting, but they, they've caved basically. Well, no, <laughs> they're saying they're not caving, but meanwhile, we're going to start this other thing. What's going to actually happen? Who knows? I mean, I think it's it's unbelievable that a court forced them to do it. Um, what they did originally, they closed. I'm sorry? Is there an appeal? I believe they're appealing. I'm not 100% sure. What they did in the very first day was obvious what they did. They closed all the clubs. Yeah. Obviously helped everybody. Um, so now they're trying this other gambit. And again, the school students may accept it, but the greater LGBTQ people won't accept it. And, you know, you talk about the minority pushing the majority around. I've never understood why you go to a place where you're not wanted. Well, that's not it. I mean, that's that that has nothing to do with it, um, going to a place where you're not wanted. It, it has to do with um, the long march through the institutions. Exactly. No institution can be left unmarched you know especially the so. free religious ones left in the country yeah well, what's what's yeah. the school that just recently and i think it was yesterday that it happened but the one professor had made it very clear that there's only male and female and there was a handful of students that said oh you're being transphobic blah 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 so the university created a whole new class for those students that did not agree that there was only two genders so that they could be appeased. I mean, what, what in the bloody heck? Like that was, oh my goodness. At least they weren't expelled. Listen, what was it's, it, it's Columbia that just got rid of the professor? They fired a professor for grading too strictly. I'm sure everybody saw that. Yes, yes. <laughs> he's the one that wrote the textbooks for goodness sake. And now they're saying, yeah, he's 
this, so this as a sorry, as a um, alumnus of of uh, Princeton, I get the Princeton paper, right? The the you know the uh, the alumni weekly. Anyway, so a few years ago, they decided to. Um, that there were too many A's being given out, and that they want, uh, and of, and they broke it down by, uh, by major, which you know they should not have done, and of course it was all the non-objective majors where all the A's were. The the engineering and science they all had reasonable distributions, so they said, well, no more than a third A's, and they they did this and and that and it and it implemented the policy for a few years, um, but it became untenable because the 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 goofy majors um were so objected to the fact that they couldn't give all their little sjw students a's in repeating the sjw orthodoxy that um that the, it, there was a rebellion around the teachers and and princeton had to do away with the uh, uh with the policy um and so it, it's it's very much um the universities are are very much controlled by these um, these crazies, and I, you know, again, if you you know if you want to go in science or engineering, that's okay. But if you if you if you don't, then I mean, there it's 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 impossible to go to a university. That, wait, are you saying it's not wait, it's not like science and engineering, though, is it? Give me a second here. Are Sorry. you saying you would object to an engineer building an airplane who believes two plus two four is a racist uh, colonialist idea? You'd yeah, I think all of our airplanes are racist, and um, you really have to embrace racism to uh, to create airplanes anymore. So, yeah. Yeah. We may have to block but out this part from our show. In in I research think. proposals, they don't they have to include a, a, a sort of equity section now in in, also in in the hard sciences. And and not just that, but in your if you try to become a professor in any subject, you have to have a huge section on how you're going to promote uh, diversity, inclusion, and equity in your position. And you have to back it up by things you've done in the past. So it really um, requires you to be into activism um, from, from the very get-go. And this is in all subjects, not just the stupid ones. Um, so if you want to be a math professor, you have to show a history of activism in diversity, inclusion. Wasn't activism. it University of Pennsylvania's medical school that just did that thing? Yeah. 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 They, they all have to like swear allegiance to diversity, et cetera, et cetera. And they change the Hippocratic oath and they're going to learn alternate medicine. Well, I sure want to go to one of those doctors. Yeah, it's very interesting because, of course, um, they... You know they've always done affirmative action in, in getting into things, but they've they the schools have tended not to do affirmative action in um in in grading and getting out of school, and now they're doing that. So um, in the past, if you went to a, a, a doctor uh, who was one of the um, approved groups, you could be fairly certain that that person did okay in medical school and 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 was a as you know was a good surgeon or a, a good doctor but um now it's not the case now they are just basically um graduating people based on their race and sexuality and whatnot uh i think the answer it's going to become 
It's going to be, it's going to be, you know, I have a, a, a my second racist, I have a, a completely racist view of, of doctors myself. I only try to go to Jewish doctors. I have Jewish doctor friends. And, um, and so that's my completely racist view of doctors. But and I, I highly recommend everyone do that. But um, I think the, the but proper response to the, to their uh, march through the institutions is not for us to march back through them ourselves, but to just nuke them. Just yeah, yeah. Demolish the, the the um uh, the Ripley solution. You know, going back Ed, to to the legal issue, who's that judge who said he will no longer hire Yale interns? And I think another couple of judges jumped on that ship, and I think that would make a dent if a whole bunch of judges would do that. Yeah. Yeah, I forget which judge that was. I think it was judge somebody Ho or something. Who was it? A Judge Ho or something? I'm not sure. I think it was a, a court of appeals on the Fifth Circuit. I think it was but, relatively high up. It was pretty cool. And then one or two other ju judges jumped on that bandwagon. I mean, th that would be awesome because we got to stop it somehow. My understanding is Yale Law School is pass fail. I don't know. I, I know it's I mean, Yale and Harvard are probably the two top schools, but Harvard is one of the largest law schools in Yale. Yale's is the smallest. smallest. Yeah. yeah, but I believe my Mostly, told me they went past fail it's the hardest one to get into yeah but once you're in it apparently it's no longer it's tough to get out all right folks we have a whole bunch of hosts and i want to give us plenty plenty of time to wrap up so one by one what didn't we get to that you wanted to get to gina Goodness, I'm, text, I'm texting. I know it's because of the dogs and every other noise behind me. I'm texting so that I don't have to talk to nobody. This is a me. humanist show now. We we uh, discriminate against other mammals. Oh gosh, I don't you do not I, discriminate I, against cats. I don't know. I guess I I we didn't talk about Fetterman. We didn't talk about Oz. We didn't talk about any of the debates. Um, so that's my biggest thing. I think the Republicans have pulled away tremendously. And I think that those leads that we have, the very small margins, um, I think these debates have kind of solidified that, whether it is Tudor Dixon or whether it is Lee Zeldin um, or Dr. Oz, I think they have done phenomenal. Even Herschel Walker, he is not a man of many words as far as being articulate when he speaks. And he did a great job against Warnock. And uh, I think the GOP is holding really strong. I think yeah, the most consequential debate was was Zeldin and Hochul, because I think that if Zeldin wins, as I think he will, uh, he he's the one who focused the crime issue. And I think that that's going to have as much impact next year as Youngkin's uh, focus on parental control of schools did last year. Yeah, um, well, I mean, if Zeldin wins, it's the end of the world. I, I don't the, know that they can the, let him win at any cost. So it'll be interesting. But she apparently stuck her foot in her mouth by saying, I don't know why you guys care about the crime issue so much. Yes. In New that. York, and I'm in New York. Yeah. That video of the guy shoving somebody um, in, onto the track ah. the other day, that yellow suited guy. Yep. It, it is really, really bad here in New York. And how she let herself say that. I just don't know how they let Zeldin win. Because that would be cataclysmic for the Democrats. Well, we still yeah. have to brace, brace ourselves for the cheating, right? I mean, so. I mean, Zelda right. may be a decent guy, <laughs> which is amazing. For so. some unknown reason, Republicans have not really hit hard on the crime issue until very recently. And that was a home run 
you know, 90 to 95% issue. You know, again, I, I, I've contrasted, you know, I've talked about so many low hanging fruit issues that the Republicans won't pick up. That because is it's probably, racist, Ed. It's racist to I talk about crime. But yeah. you know what? And Lee Zeldin is, is, is uh, de-electrifying that third rail. Yeah. You know, I didn't see a lot of that debate. I saw a clip um, where he, he was really, really good in that debate. He was pressing the case about why people are moving out and everything like that. And he was really on point. And Hochul was standing there like she had nothing to say. <laughs> I mean, he, he really, really was good. It was kind of refreshing. I, I think um, while, you know, we talked before about the fact that we get stuck with a lot of these moderates and everything like that. I do see the potential for a couple of stars out there. Um, the candidate for governor in Arizona, what's her name? Lake Lake. Lake Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake she is, awesome. is really really good. Uh, she strikes me as the next DeSantis. So I I think that there's there's some potential real heroes out there for us. And the good thing about our, Carrie Lake is that, she spends as much time attacking the media as corrupt uh, liars as she does uh, Katie Hobbs, her opponent. And that's kind of what you need. You really need someone to um, right. put the media on trial. And her right. opponent won't even debate her. So. Yeah. And it helps that she came from the media. Go ahead, Gina. I was just going to say, I wouldn't debate either if I was Hobbs. I mean, I've watched her interviews on PBS and with local talk shows. And God, is she dull. Holy crap. Yeah, I wouldn't debate either. She'd get killed. Yeah. So, yeah, she only has what to lose. But, you know, Fetterman, really. And, I mean, and Fe Fetterman doesn't have a brain. So his brain is damaged. And, you know, you could say, well. Wait a minute. Are we going to make jokes about no brain going to the Wizard of Oz? Or should I just be quiet? Yeah, I mean, uh, he, he definitely needs to... Uh, he he is not capable of putting a sentence together, and and mm -hmm. so he should have withdrawn. And the Democrats should have put somebody else up. It's crazy. I don't understand I why mean, they. I guess they figure they have a brain in the White House. They can have a brain damaged senator. Mm -hmm. it, it's sad because I, I do feel for the guy. I don't want to make fun of the guy or anything like that. But Jesus, you're you're a Senate candidate. I I went to watch some of those clips today, and it was really. Well, you know what, Mike, I'd agree with you. Don't make fun of him. But if he's going to go on stage and say, I know I'm fit to be a senator, then he's put himself out there. And it's and obviously the, the subject is relevant, highly, highly relevant. Just as but you know what, we had a whole bunch of these debates last night and it's all the information is in one or two days. And I think that there were a whole bunch of Democrats in the country that didn't even know what was going on, or maybe maybe not Democrats, but independents. And I think that they sort of wrote off all of the stories about Fetterman being cognitively impaired, you know, and, and Hockle being tone deaf. I think that they just thought that was partisan politics. And now that these clips are circulating the internet, everybody knows that it's not partisan. It's the, the Democrats are beyond cynical in what they think they can sneak past the voters. Well, why would they think they can sneak back past voters, somebody who's cognitively impaired? Because they, 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 they did it with Biden. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was going to say they do it every single they day. They do it. So <laughs> why would they think? Because it works, which it's unbelievable if Pennsylvania yeah. can be that stupid. They're all cognitively impaired to some extent. Absolutely. All right, Daniel, as our guest, what did we not bring up that you would like to have brought up? Actually, um, you're not well, a guest. I take that back. You're not a guest. 
I, yeah. I just think about, about the, uh, the, you know, the Sunak appointment. Um, for me, this is our US election 2020 in the obviousness of the, the circumvention of any kind of normal voting process. And, and you know, the, the guy's been completely installed. He's completely a WEF puppet. And um, I think, you know, a surprising number of people realise this now. Um, maybe people who were never before worrying about the WEF and still don't know what it is. Um, but they, you, they can see the illegitimacy now. And uh, um, I think that's in the long term a good thing because, um, you know, uh, it, it's amazing how many people haven't woken up and this is waking up more people. So uh, in a strange way, the, the, the fact that he's been put in place in such an illegitimate way is a good thing. I agree with all that you said. And I'll just add that in listening to his, his speech, the way he emphasized that tough choices need to be made, to me, he was telegraphing that he's going to go for, high, for raising taxes on everybody. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah, absolutely. I think he is going to implode the Conservative Party, the Tories, in Britain. Um, it's clear that the next prime minister is going to be a Labour prime minister. Um, and it's also pretty clear to me that the Tories are going to get a shellacking the way the Democrats are looking to get a shellacking here in America in two weeks, um, because that's what they deserve. They, they have not governed. They do not deserve to be rewarded. And... Uh, they're going to need to build back better. Yeah, I Hello, think that's, please. that's all oh, true. Oh. Um, Daniel, I know I said I didn't want to go long on any subject, but what does this do to Brexit? Um, is it dead totally? Well, Boris, yeah, Brexit is dead. Um, Boris delivered a, um, a half Brexit anyway, which was almost identical to Theresa May's deal. Um, so we were, it was already kind of had been scuppered slightly by the British establishment. Um, and, and Rishi um, is very much in cahoots with the EU. Uh, Jeremy Hunt, the Chancellor, is in cahoots with the EU. Um, and there'll be some form, they can't get away with saying we're rejoining the EU. And I don't think Labour can get away with that either but there will be some kind of treaty or agreement uh, cooked up fairly quickly. Uh, there, there'll certainly be an end to, we were due to get rid of a load of um, EU legislation um, and say that we were no longer adhering to that. That won't happen. Um, we, we will instead um, realign with the EU. The insanity of the United Kingdom government, um, one of the many insanities is uh, this commitment to net zero and the, and the banning of fracking, which Liz Truss uh, sort of abandoned uh, in her two days of, um, of uh, premiership. Um, but apparently um, Sunak has, has gone back on that and, and uh, yeah. has basically uh, said, no, no, we're still committed to killing a lot of our citizens in the wintertime. Yeah, well, uh, people starving and not being able to heat their homes in winter is the WEF plan. And uh, Liz Trust seemed to go against it to a small extent. And and that's why she went, really. You know, they 
I feel that, that it was engineered to have a run on the pound uh, and that was all deliberate and yeah. the, um, that was designed to get rid of her to reinstate the WF agenda. Yeah. Well, the Federal Reserve here in the United States is meeting next Monday and Tuesday on November 1 and 2 and on the 2nd, Tuesday the 2nd, or no, I guess October 30. I guess it's, I think it's Monday. Monday's the 31st. Yeah. Right. I forget the exact dates, but next week the Fed has a two day meeting and they're going to probably announce another rate hike. Um, Wall Street seems to think that maybe they're not going to raise rates 75 basis points. Um, maybe they're going to start, start, uh, uh, they're not using the word pivot, but they're going to start slowing down. Uh, I personally think they're going to keep going the way they're going. And if they keep raising rates, uh, it's going to continue to put pressure not just on the pound, but also even more so on the euro and on the yen. Um, I think that if the euro comes under pressure and the winter is, a, is is as harsh as we think it's going to be with the blowing up of the Nord Stream pipeline, um, maybe there's going to be the facts on the ground are going to revive Brexit more than any politician might. Um, why would you want to join an obviously sinking ship. I mean, I, I foresee Europe really going down this winter. You know, I, we'll, we'll see what happens. I've been wrong about a lot of things, but uh, I think that if, if Europe has as bad a winter as I'm expecting them to have, I, I would think that Brexit is going to be a tough, you know, ending Brexit is going to be a tough sell, even for, for a Labour Party. Yeah, that's why they won't do it, honestly. They won't rejoin the EU but they will create a new treaty or alignment agreement or, you know, something that maybe people aren't even told about. Um, and it, we will we will align our economy as much as possible with the, that of the EU. Um, and Rishi Sunak is there to do that. And if he doesn't do it, then uh, Keir Starmer will do it. There, there's Unless a third party comes along, uh, is formed and uh, has... You read my mind. Impact. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, I was just thinking in my head, where are you, Nigel? Yeah. Let's try to get him on the show, Daniel. That's on you. <laughs> um, I've, I've never tried to call him, but um, I'm not sure he'd take my call. But <laughs> don't, don't tell him you know us. Mike, yeah. what's on your mind? Oh, geez. Uh, I think I've been personally impacted or affected by the crazy sex ed curriculum here in New Jersey. Um, I had to opt my daughter out of the fifth grade, parts of it at least anyway, um, where they talk about the 99 genders, puberty blockers, masturbation, to name a few things. Um, there's also the second grade agenda that I've seen where you, they get to learn about all the body parts, including the anus, the vagina, the penis, et cetera, second grade. Um, so that's where we are in the public. How hard is it in New Jersey? Get kids out of that. Well, there is an opt out allowed. Uh, I think it's obviously this whole situation is ridiculous. Um, the fact that you have to opt out instead of opting in at the least is objectionable. I mean, uh, it's, it, all of it is just, it's just, but it's how just do you opt out? out? How do you know out. when it's being taught and what's the okay. process? The school district sent me the links to the the curriculum and everything that was going to be taught 
Um, they talk about the opt out. Uh, I basically followed what I thought needed to be followed in terms of drafting a letter and sending it into the school. And again, they had to be a little bit more precise than just, hey, I'm opting out. Because uh, they do ask about, you know, highlighting or, or, or teasing out the specific stuff that you object to. So I put those particular lessons down. Obviously, there's lessons throughout the school year. Some of it is perfectly fine. There's just, you know, there's certain ones that are, are bad and at a minimum, not age appropriate. So this is the one thing I can do to fight back right now. And I really I hate that my kids are in the public school. Uh, I think a lot of parents do feel trapped. You know, when you're paying $12,000 a year in property taxes, it's not that simple to turn around and, and pay another 10 to go to a private school or do a pod or do homeschooling. Um, you know, unfortunately. So what happens so your child doesn't go to a specific class on a specific day? That is what should happen. And they are not supposed to be penalized. And what are the social um, repercussions? That's tough because, you know, I'm, you know how kids can be when they feel like, you know, I don't, I don't know how many other parents are going to opt out. I really, I I really don't know. Uh, I think it's become a big issue because we do have school board elections this year. There was a five to four vote on my school board to go along with this. Um, You know, I, I, I think it's, you know, you have to fight back in any way that you can, short of pulling your kids out of these schools or moving to Florida. Right. I just assume that it's hard for a child to be the only one or one of two to be pulled out of a class away from their peer. Yeah, it, it's a concern, but I think my concerns far outweigh, you know, the objections that my child might have about it. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I, don't, I don't know how many other parents are going to pull it or opt out or not, but there was enough there for me that I did my diligence on it and I looked at it and I'm like, no way. Right. I'm sorry. You know, the you scary know. part is there's no reason why they won't force this on private schools as well. Well, maybe oh, not. They I mean, will. The other part of it too, there was a story from the Heritage Foundation about some parents being arrested for not going along with their child's gender decisions. Um, there's another... There's another thing that I came across uh, for high school level, another district in New Jersey, where um, there's something about whether they log, whether the kid is changing their gender, and then, and then it's whether their parents are aware or not aware. Yeah, I it's saw that. Ab- yep, different classifications. Yep. Dis- disgusting. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. You, know? you really should not have any say in your children's education anyway. Well, that This is where I think it's going, right? They want to just completely tear away at, at parents controlling their, their kids. They want parents aren't qualified control. to teach their kids. They want to have control of your kids. And, uh, you know, I think another part of this is, you know, we're going down the road towards making pedophilia, I think, normalized. Well, and that's why I said that Youngkin's victory last year was such a crucial victory. You know, he gives some Republicans the courage to stand up and, and fight on that issue and not feel like they're going to lose. Um, it's got to be fought. Um, and really, parents are pulling kids out of the schools and homeschooling at record numbers. That's the best thing that could happen. Right, but it's not yeah. easy. Ed P. Um, so this Friday, Elon Musk takes over Twitter. And uh, today, he walked into Twitter headquarters carrying a stink. And I think that was uh, 
the the idea was to say let that sink in um that i'm going to be in charge he has said he's going to lay off 75 percent of of twitter's employees um i i don't think he's going to do that i i wish he would um i do think there are going to be layoffs though because they are a negative cash flow so um having invested all this money in them the first the last thing he wants to do you need to lose money so I would expect a bloodbath at Twitter of some level, if not quite 75%. The, the question though is, um, there have been a number of people who have been banned from Twitter over the years, uh, not least of which is, is Trump who says he won't come back. But, um, you know, I think uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, again, crazy person, not defending Milo, um, but, uh, a bunch of people have been banned for questioning the COVID narrative as well, including Alex Berenson and uh, Elgato Malo, uh, pseudonym obviously, um, and a bunch of others. And I wonder if there is going to be a sort of a, a, a mass unbanning of all of the people who have been banned, um, both for explicitly right-wing political things or for questioning the COVID vaccine, questioning the, um, the efficacy or the adverse events of the COVID vaccine. And I'll be interesting, to, it'll be interesting to see whether anything happens on Friday or Monday or whether nothing happens. I, you know, I mean, I, I, think, I think there's a chance that there's going to be huge change on Friday, and I think there's a chance that nothing will change on Friday or Monday. You know, I, I think there's this, we, we don't exactly know what's going to happen, and it's a very interesting time to be in this space to see what Musk will do. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in the World Series, and I'm interested in the, uh, in the Musk series in Twitter. I'm thinking of a parody song. We are Americans banned. Okay, Ed Max, uh, rescue us from that horrible line. All right. <laughs> uh, I think there are two really big stories that we didn't touch on, and I want to hit both. I guess the first one I'll try and relate back to Ed, your last your last story on big tech censorship and Twitter. Um, you know, there was the New York Times came out with some stories about uh lamenting the amount of misinformation and disinformation that's existing on sites that they don't control. And the, the actual message that the New York Times was spreading was, we favor, we favor squelching information. We are opposed to the free flow of information. Uh, and it's a very short ride from that position to outright censorship. And we know that they don't even have to take any ride on that because we know they've already been working with the Biden administration to censor people. Um, so I think that the uh, continued erosion of support for, for free and fair, free, the free flow of information is, is something to, to, we should never discount it and we should acknowledge it every week because it's a, a really grave danger. Uh, there's gonna, I mean, we already have enough government collaboration with these companies to silence people that real censorship is not very far away and it would be disastrous if they ever try to implement it. I mean, they tried to implement it with that censorship board with Nita Jankowicz 
earlier over the summer. Um, and it's clearly on their agenda. They, they can't win an argument without squelching the other side. Um, you know, I think, you know, speaking of Elon Musk, you know, the, the last ditch effort to try and stop him from buying Twitter was floating this idea that it was a national security threat, you know, by the same people that have never said a, a word about Jeff Bezos owning the Washington Post. Um, the, the, the calls for censorship are growing louder and louder and stronger. And um, we can't discount that. And we can't, we should never brush that aside. We should address that. So I wanted to make sure we address that. The other big story of the week to me, and I think it's probably the biggest story, even though it's not directly affecting us here in America, is Xi Jinping's consolidation of power in China and his um, his uh, ouster of all of the reform-minded people in the Communist Party of China. Um, I've read some articles about how capital is already fleeing from China. I've, I've talked on this show about China being faced with some economic issues and a potential banking crisis that's been going on for at least a year now. Um, and the, the talk that I've heard is that there's a lot of capital that's trying to flee China and they have export controls on capital. So it's really hard. Uh, one theory is that people are going to convert to cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum and try and use, use electronic clicks to get money and, and wealth out of China. Uh, but more, more generally, I think the consolidation of power by, by someone committed to going back to the times of Mao uh, is something we really have to be concerned about. Um, he's made it very clear that forceful reunification with Taiwan is on the table. And, uh, you know, we've got We've got potential nuclear war between Ukraine and Russia and the Biden administration almost begging for a nuclear war uh, with China being taken over by, well, I wouldn't say taken over. I mean, Xi was already in charge, but with Xi consolidating power in China um, and, and expressing warlike intentions and, and facing a, a really problematic economy at home, the chances of war affecting the United States are, are growing very real. And it's something we should, I don't think the most American people understand it. I don't think they see it. I mean, they hear some of the nonsense about uh, nuclear war over Ukraine, but I think most American people think that somebody, you know, that wiser heads are gonna prevail there. I'm not so sure that we're gonna be able to avoid war with China because I think that the Chinese are going to be committed to, to a warlike policy, especially if their currency starts to implode and their banking system starts to implode. Yeah, so. I think that's mostly right. Like in, in the West, um, when a political party in power so screws up beyond all recognition, like the Tories or the Democrats, um, the people are under the impression that we can fix the problem by electing the other guy. And uh, this is very, very uh deep in our psychology. Um, in China, when somebody screws up, there is no other guys to elect. And I think the point of Xi consolidating power is that he knows there is going to be an economic crisis in China. And yeah. that if he, if, he, if he isn't a totalitarian dictator that controls everyone, uh, you know, East Germany style, that um, 
that things could get out of control and the whole communist apparatus could be overthrown. So when the crisis comes, he has to divert the people's attention from the fact that they have, you know, are unemployed or whatever. And the best way to do that is to wag the dog. And, and that I think could very well lead uh, to war. But I think, I think you're right. It's, it's all rooted in the misallocation of capital in China and the potential um, downturn that's going to happen in the United States. Uh, you know, if it, if it happens in the next week or so, then the Democrats will get blamed. If it happens, you know, in November, then the, you know, the election of Republicans will be blamed and Republicans will be saddled with it. But I think in China, Xi is going to be saddled with the results of that uh, downturn. And uh, that's why he's grabbing the reins of power and getting rid of all possible enemies like he did to yep. Jintao. Exactly right. That's exactly what I see, too. Wow. What an unusual ending to our show. Ed's agreeing. Can't beat a pair, Ed's. The Department of Ed's. Two Ed's are better than one. <laughs> and I even pronounce it like a good Brit to make Daniel happy. That's very good. <laughs> With that, we wish everyone a wonderful evening. We expect to be back same time next week, four o'clock on Wednesday, and wish everyone a wonderful evening. Thank you. As Fetterman would say, okay. good night.